0: We'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to The Room Black and enjoy your stay. Greetings, Room Black podcast listeners. I hope everyone is doing well. Thanks so much for being here with me today. If you are a repeat guest, welcome back. And if you're a new guest, welcome to the show. I am so glad to have you here. You know, I cannot believe it, but I just got this notice, like an email, that I am coming up on my one-year mark for um, getting my website registered, the RuneBlock podcast website. I can't believe it's been almost a year. So it made me think that I need to start preparing for like a one-year anniversary episode. That would actually come out in August, but you know, got to start planning. So I'm curious, can you guys let me know? Are there any past guests that you want to hear from again? Anyone that you want to catch up with, see what they've been doing since I last spoke with them on the show? Send me a note and let me know. You guys know how to contact me at roomblogpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or in any of the socials. Just let me know. I would love to hear from you. I also love Hearing from you guys when you give me uh, show topic ideas or different guest ideas, it's resulted in some of my favorite episodes. So please keep those coming. I love hearing from anybody who has an idea for a show. And of course, if the Roomblock podcast has impacted you in any way, if you enjoy listening to it, please share or engage with my posts and of course you know, leaving reviews on apple podcasts is the perfect way to support the show and to help others discover it and of course to join in the conversations that we have here so speaking of conversations you know over the past year with all of the craziness that has been going on there really has been no shortage of conversations, right? There's been webinars, you know, other podcasts, other virtual events of all sorts. You know We as an industry, we're doing a good job. better, better now than we had before, I think, just because we've been forced into it. but a good job of talking about what we are experiencing. But you know, these conversations wouldn't be happening without leaders making them happen. Fortunately, our industry has some incredibly passionate individuals and really strong leaders who are paving the way to have these conversations, and I am very excited to have two of them on the show today. However, the best part about my guests today is not only that they are leading some of the conversations that we need to be having, they are also coming up with tangible solutions to some of the biggest issues that our industry is facing. So let's talk about who the guests are. Carrie Abernathy, if you don't know who she is, she is a 15-year events industry veteran and currently a meeting planner for her day job. But she's also a blogger, podcaster, speaker, coach, and industry leader, as you will hear. And then we also have Derek Johnson, who is also a 15 year events industry veteran and currently director of event strategy and development and chief diversity officer with Tally Management Group. Derek is also involved with a wide variety of other projects and organizations. But one that Carrie and Derek share together is a monthly virtual talk show called Events from Black to White. So this is an unscripted show where they have authentic conversations about the many challenging things that we continue to encounter surrounding the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how those impact or need to be examined under the lens of the events industry. The next show is coming up on May 17th, so pretty soon here, and the shows are available on Crowdcast. So I will link up to events from Black to White in my show notes so you can be sure to find it and check it out. But in the meantime, get ready because the conversation that you are about to hear today is going it's going to do something to you. It's, you know, it's going to inspire you, maybe it'll light a fire within you. It might confuse you. It might make you question your career and events up until now. All right, I'm kind of kidding about that. But at the very least, it will make you think. And however you may view the pandemic and view the past year and the impact that it has had on our industry, I think you might be hard pressed to find many people who see it quite like my two guests do. Carrie and Derek. See, it is the greatest opportunity that this industry has had to make some of the most meaningful changes and accomplish some of our most important work yet. Why do they see it this way? And how can we make these changes? Keep listening to find out. Here's Carrie Abernathy and Derek Johnson. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Room Block podcast. I am very pleased to have joining me today two industry rock stars and and advocacy enthusiasts. I think that's the way I'm going to put it. <laughs> um, no, really, there's, there's a lot of people that we see that are doing what they can to move our industry forward and I'm just very pleased today to welcome two of them to the show we have with us Carrie Abernathy and Derek Johnson Carrie and Derek welcome to The Room Black Hello hello thanks for having us
1: Glad to be here
0: Thank you thank you it's such a pleasure Um I you know there's so much to talk about with you two and I want to try to keep us within a you know a a relatively reasonable length show. So let's get started. And I I just want to hear more about each of you as individuals first, then we're going to go into some of the other projects that you work on together. But um, Carrie, why don't you kick us off? Tell us who you are, what you do, and how did you get into the industry? I will try. That is such a layered question. I think
2: for I know. Derek and myself, <laughs> um, I am at a very, a very basic level. I am a meeting planner. Um, I've been a meeting planner for the last 16 years. Um, I was not one of those people that accidentally fell into the industry. I actually uh, went to Australia and studied event management. I was picked up by an event management company right out of college. So um, I knew pretty early on that this is what I wanted to do, and I'm definitely a lifer in the industry. That's what I tell everyone. So 16 plus years now I've been here, um, but if you want me to kind of expand on what I've been doing over those last 16 years, outside of being a meeting planner, Outside of my nine to five, um, I have also been deeply involved in several aspects of the meeting planning industry to include elevating women through developing the Association for Women and Events. Um, through that, I built the Events Industry Sexual Harassment Task Force. Um, I'm also one half of a podcast as well. So uh, with Juliet Trapp out of the UK, like an event boss. Um, that we launched early, earlier this year. Um, I am on several boards and I'm also one half of an industry virtual talk show with Derek Johnson, who's here with me. And that's events from black to white. And I know we're gonna dig into that one pretty uh, pretty deeply here in a little bit. So I, I think that's kind of the the quick and dirty rundown of Carrie Abernathy over the last 20 years, if that works.
0: <laughs> That is perfect. And I mean, I, I'm impressed that you were able to fit all what you do in just a very brief <laughs> couple minute minute uh, right. recaps. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. And. I mean, for those listening, if you're wondering, I, I have asked Carrie the question before, do you sleep? And she says, yes, she does. <laughs> I mean, really, she. there's just so much that you do, Carrie, um, outside of your day job. So it, it's very impressive. And you're an inspiration to many of us. So thank you for doing all that you do. And um, I'm a huge fan of Like an Event Boss. You guys do a wonderful job with the show. I'm so glad that you brought it on to the airwaves this year.
2: Thank you for that. I forgot that I also have a blog, A Woman With Drive. That's a huge part of my life. I you know, I knew I was going to forget something, but I have a, a side hustle as an industry speaker, a leadership consultant, coach. Um, I write for Golf and Travel Magazine. I write on leadership and golf for TSNN and corporate event news. And I knew I was going to forget something in there, but this is just my way of throwing that back in. So thank you for giving me a moment to breathe and think about that.
0: Of course. Right. And I I should have thought about that myself, too. You're a beautiful writer. I love your blogs. Thank you. So, Derek, take us through your story.
1: Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) I'll try to be as brief as Carrie. Um, So for me, I think my role in this space is kind of intersecting uh, the world of business technology and humanity. Uh, I like to call myself a creative problem solver and through that um, infuses my passion for creating experiences. And and that's what I do. So currently uh, I'm the chief diversity officer and director of event strategy titles uh, (laughs) with tally management group association management uh, firm in Mount Royal, New Jersey, though I'm based in Washington, DC. I was born in DC. DC is my home. Um, And I actually um, fell into the industry through my mom. She worked for an association, the National Medical Association to be exact. And my brother and I would always go to the kids' camps every summer um, and uh, for their annual meeting. And one year, I was 15, I decided I didn't want to be in the kids' camp anymore. Um, And so she made me work with their director of meetings on site. So I was running around checking room setups, making sure speakers were where they needed to be, using BEOs to check food orders. Um, And she enjoyed me on site so much that she asked if I would come and help her in the office the next summer. And this is Pat Norman, um, who's their director of meetings. And um, so I did that. And each summer I came back, I got more and more responsibilities. By the time I was a senior in high school, I was planning some of the smaller meetings for the association. And then I went to a college undergrad at the University of Florida to study music education. Uh, music is a big passion of mine and I wanted to be a band teacher, but I was still coming back to DC, uh, working with the National Medical Association as a summer job. Uh, While I was on campus, I just so happened to be one of the event coordinators for the Stephen C. O'Connell Center, where all the expos and concerts and um, sporting events came through. Um, And then something hit me um, right around my junior year uh, that, hey, wait a second, I actually enjoy (laughs) this event stuff. (laughs) So I'm gonna like I'm gonna try it out um, as opposed to teaching. And I, I came out of uh, undergrad and immediately um, jumped into the association space, and um, and then started working in meeting design, um, infusing uh, kind of the technology piece in uh, continuing education credits and professional development. Um, And then my roles really expanded from there, incorporating augmented reality, virtual virtual reality um, very early in um, in event design and virtual meetings um, back in 2009. uh, that that was me kind of combining my passions together all at once. And today, not to start the laundry list. And I, like Carrie, I'm sure I'm going to miss something. Um, but I currently sit on the board of PCMA. Um, I chair the LGBT Meeting Professionals Association. I also sit on the board of the Lesbian and Gay Band Association. So again, you're getting that music side that's still active in my world. Um, I am a past artistic director um, for, the, for DC's different drummers. Um, it's a community band here in Washington DC area. Um, I sit as an advisory on the advisory board for Western Governors University where I received my master's uh, two years ago. Uh, and business leadership and management. And, uh, like Carrie, I, I over the last year, um, that time that I had to myself, I really dove into enhancing my skills and, and worked on, um, podcasts. And so I started a podcast with LGBT MPA called spin, um, where we bring in speakers, uh, LGBT professional, LGBT plus professionals. And we talk about current um, and important issues in the community, uh, and I also do another podcast with uh, my uh, with tally management uh, around uncomfortable conversation. So we pick a celebration each month, and we interview a, a, an, a an expert or a community member in that space. This month is Autism Awareness Month. This month being April. Um, last month, obviously, a Women's History Month, and um, so on and so forth. So. I stay pretty busy. Um, if you couldn't tell,
0: <laughs> I'll say, like I'm like exhausted listening to this list. I mean, congratulations on all of your accomplishments and in all of your involvement, and both of you. I mean, it's 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 very inspiring and something that I was thinking when you were both talking. I mean, you've taken the roles, you've taken what you do in this industry. You know, it's not you're not just meeting planners. I mean, it's like you have you have. Taken it so much deeper. You're truly exploring what's possible, the change you can make by being in the positions that you are. You understand the importance of the roles that you're in, and I don't know that, you know, everybody does. Well, everybody definitely does not do that. <laughs> but I mean, it's like it's, it's just so ingrained, to, so deep inside you to to make change, and and you're using your roles in such a positive way.
1: You know. That's actually what attracted both of us to each other. Minus being on the dance floor at PCMA convening leaders and bumping into each other. Outside of that, really, it was it was Carrie's passion and drive um, to see our industry a better place that really connected us because both of us had that vision, that that um, that mindset that we could help evolve this space. And and so we have really supported each other throughout both of our careers from a very, I feel like very early into um, the space
0: How is it that you, I mean, did you meet just by, you you had heard of each other and then you're like, I need to meet each other. Like what happened?
1: (laughs) Eric's
2: going to throw this one over to me. Um, Let me set the scene for you. We were in Vegas at PCMA. I think it was probably over a decade now. Um, It was my first PCMA. Annual conference, convening leaders conference. Derek, I don't know how many you had been to. It was my first one. I was a baby. I was new in the industry. Um, PCMA was kind of my group and my calling. And I was just getting really excited about the community that the meetings industry was. Like, I just realized I wasn't a meeting planner. I was a meeting planner with like 3,000 plus, 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 like, you know, event planners behind me that had my back and that were part of my tribe. So I get to Vegas, and I think it was maybe Studio Sixty Four, Derek. <laughs> like, <what was> <laughs>
1: Sixty-four,
2: Sixty-four. I don't know. We were in Vegas, and there was a dance floor. Oh no, it was a reception. It was the first nice reception, and there were a lot of women with great costumes and lots of feathers, and it was pretty fabulous. And we locked eyes like across the room, and I feel like we just walked straight to each other, and we were dancing. <laughs> no, we didn't walk.
1: Side. We danced.
2: <laughs> we, danced, sorry, we danced to each other. And then it was like, um, you know, that dirty dancing moment where like they lift you up and spin you in circles like we had that moment. And it was just like, you know, when you meet one of your soulmates and you know it. Right. And so we were like, mm. oh, cool. you're my person. You're always going to be my person. And then we wouldn't really talk for the whole year. Like we would see each other in passing. We'd follow up with each other. We would stay in touch through Facebook and kind of watch each other's lives and support each other. But then once a year we had our reunion at PCMA's convening leaders and we were inseparable and that was our thing. And we created a connection through that. And it's just a really special friendship and relationship that we've built together. Derek, did I did I, is that the right perception of, of how we met? <laughs>
1: A hundred percent. And Carrie and I always said to each other that we want to do something together, um, something meaningful. And because again, we would always just meet at convening leaders and we would maximize our time together in that space. But then we went back to our busy lives and we would, we would again, follow each other on social media, but that was pretty much it. Um, until last year happened and, And that's really when both of us looked at each other and said, we have got to do something in this space now. And we did. And thus, events from Black to white.
2: It was born. yeah, but I think we've been inspiring each other from afar. You know, I, I went my way with AWE and you've always been a, a great supporter of that and you were getting heavily into pcma and and the board and and committees and making affecting change in that way. And we've always supported each other, but like this organically finally happened, and we we knew it was time for um us to kind of use our platforms and what we've built throughout the years together to hopefully really start some good conversations and and affect real change like you said Derek.
0: I love that. What a perfect description of just the beauty of this industry and how I Carrie, I go back to when you said you, know, you had all these different meeting planners, you know, thousands of meeting planners behind you and have your back and that's just so how it is. And it's it's funny when you think about that you can meet up just once a year and have that once a year face-to-face bonding connection but then never lose, you know, what you have and then when the time is right, you make something beautiful happen like you guys did last year. So how amazing. So the show, so Events from Black to White, you guys started it, what was it, last last summer?
1: Oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> it's been almost a year, right?
1: It has. That's- and what was it, last June, um, Carrie? And, and we were doing... We were doing weekly shows mm-hmm. um, throughout oh. last year. <laughs> okay, uh, was, it was every Monday <clears throat> that we would get together and uh, foster these conversations around the systemic inequality and diversity in the meeting space um, and inclusion in the space. And so, the by the end of the year, we we were both exhausted. Uh, and we we were looking at our schedules and said, okay, these conversations have to continue. We have to continue this, but at the same time, we also need to give ourselves some some breathing space because we all we both are very active, as you just heard, mm-hmm. in so many other arenas. And so we decided that in this year we were going to do once a month, and in those monthly conversations, we would extend them beyond what was just the half an hour in 2020. We extended them to an hour because in those half an hour conversations, we were finding that right around that 25 minute mark, everyone would start to really get engaged and Mm -hmm. we were really getting, just just getting going. And so, yeah, it was, I think that was kind of our thought into coming into 2021.
0: I think that's a really cool idea. And that's a good point. The 25 minute mark is when the, the, the engagement starts and that's when people go, oh no, we never have enough time for these conversations. But it's also to have those conversations weekly. Like we've all established these conversations need to keep happening. We cannot let them stop. And you have not let them stop. And which is amazing. They're heavy though. You know, and and there's a lot to say. So the ability to maybe have that once a month and then to dive in and more deeply, um I can see where that would be really beneficial to the show, to each of you and and for your audience too.
2: just yeah. give,
0: give a little time to you know, let everything marinate and then go back and talk about it later.
2: Right. Well, it's good it's good processing time and it's good ideation time like you were part of last week's podcast Jen when we just kind of had some aha moments. But I think it also gives us a chance to like step back for 4 weeks and maybe put some things into action. And we weren't giving ourselves that space before, right? We were deeply ingrained in the conversation. There were a lot of tears last season. I mean, I hope people go back and listen to it on Crowdcast. We do have the archives recorded. So you have really 52 weeks almost of of conversation um, and, and learning and just hearing us kind of organically talk about some of the topics that we set. And for those that haven't joined the show before, what we do is we kind of set a topic and and set the time to the side. And then Derek and I show up without any rehearsal whatsoever, really no time in the green room together and then start talking. And I think there have been some really beautiful moments that have come out of it and some really like honest, raw, authentic conversations that have happened like in our deep in our emotions, deep in the moment, deep in whatever's happening in that moment. It's not like we set a topic three months in advance. Like we're digging into really relevant things that are happening and, you know, allowing the audience to come along with us. So I think it's been, you know, incredibly cathartic for myself as a human over the last uh, year and hopefully our audience as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll also add that I've gotten to know Carrie on a completely Different level um, because <clears throat> because of these conversations, um, uh, and it's our our relationship. I think has grown because we are sitting and talking about something that is bigger than us, and it's more meaningful conversations. Um, not that we weren't having meaningful conversations before, but uh, it, it's all about the the change um, that. Again, is 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 impacts other people. It impacts our entire community. It it impacts the lives of of, of people that we don't even know, and how we're feeling in those moments. Um, the things that uh, that are really hitting us, and the things that we're struggling with. It's it's some. It's an invaluable space. Um, and selfishly, its I think it's kind of therapy <laughs> oh, um, yeah. in, a, in a way. And, and so, I mean, I'm very grateful for them.
0: Yeah. Well, what an awesome way to describe it. And it, it's not selfish. You know, I mean, I, I totally get what you mean. There was a lot to, there is continues to be a lot to process. I mean, it's just it's like the hits keep coming, you know, one thing after another in, in all different areas of, of what's going on. But the ability for you to 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 talk about it, but then also to share the conversations with others. I mean, it's I can see where it's it's touching you on many levels, but very cool that you also got to know each other on a deeper level. I mean, it's nice to be able to talk with other people about these kind of things and people that you don't see, you know, just in your own little bubble every day, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we we started it where we're like, okay, these conversations are not happening. Like we're dancing around this topic. we No group has ever really dove into it the way that it needed to be, you know, dived into. Uh, we There was no safe space. Nobody felt safe talking about it. Everyone felt like they were going to say the wrong things. There was no like safe forum for people to show up and be like, I don't know X, Y, and Z. I need some help here. Here's how I feel. Is it wrong? Here's how I feel. Is it right? Am I doing the right thing? What do I do next? Like, so there are so many things that come to light during these conversations that I think needed to happen in the industry that weren't happening. And I think Derek and I realized that we both have a a strong voice, you know, in the industry. We're both um, activists at our core. And if we weren't going to do it, even though we're not, you know, we're not subject matter experts in this by any means, but we, we have experience and we have a platform we care. and we care. So let's get it started no matter how scary it is. And I'll tell you every week I show up scared, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I know what to say. What if I screw up? What if people listen to me and do something wrong? Like I, you know, I, it's a very scary thing not to have a script and not to know, not to be the subject matter expert, but it's, it's an example that I hope people live through and flourish with.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you are giving just by the act of having the conversations, you you are giving people inspiration just because it is hard to talk about it for for many of us. I mean I I, I feel the same way. I you know it is scary to have those conversations because you don't know, you know, what if I say something that doesn't come across right and, and like they've no intention of ever saying anything incorrect or but I could I might because sometimes you just don't know because we don't always grow up in the same way as others do, or you know, whatever it may be. But you know, Derek, you said something on on your show this last episode, and it was really shocking to me, although I think you were absolutely correct. And you said that our industry as a whole tends to be a bit exclusive. Yeah. And that was really mind blowing, but can you can you elaborate a little bit on on what you meant there?
1: Definitely. I, again, I, I 2020 was my time to really do a personal check and then a an external check on everything that I loved, everything that I held dear, every thought, every emotion, every act, every every everything. And one of those everything's is the industry that we're we're in. In um, in, in business events, we create, and this is in the past, we create um, experiences that are very closed. They're time bound, they're location bound. We require people to get to that space. We rec- require people to be in that space at a specific time. We require people to sometimes pay to be in that space we're creating we ultimately as professionals we are creating um, opportunities for for people to come together to solve their problems that's what meetings meeting and events are in in a nutshell people are coming to learn so that they can solve a problem P- people are coming together to connect make build relationships so they can ultimately solve a problem that is coming in the future and people are coming to share to share knowledge, to share information, to share experiences so that other people could solve their problems. And in this world, in this box that we build, we've created isolation. And the idea that um, inclusivity should be at our core is completely opposite of the way that we have been operating and, and it's weird that none of us have taken the step back to actually realize that, that each experience that we were planning, we were planning for a certain person for a and, and completely forgetting and leaving out so many others. And the idea of diversifying was never at the core of our industry now that we are in this new space um, and we're we've surpassed this area of um of analyzing now it's time to take that information that we've processed and put it to work and that information for me in the space is the moving us as an industry towards more inclusive environments um more diversity within our our experiences to ultimately liberate the experience creation process, to lift up the walls that we once put in place so that everyone who wants it has the equal opportunity to come in and learn, has an equal opportunity to come in and participate, and has an equal opportunity to come in and share. And sometimes, yes, we will have registration fees. Uh, We have to do that to sustain our businesses and organizations. Yes, sometimes there will be memberships um, that people can opt into, but there should always be a free access. Uh, The door should always be open for anyone to come in and take a peek. You don't have to give the entire kitchen to a person, but at least have the refrigerator open so that they can at least see what's inside (laughs) and maybe even have a snack on the counter um, (laughs) for them them to to enjoy. But I, I think we need to now think more creatively about each experience that we plan and not how we can plan it better for people that are there, but how can we broaden out the experience so that we ensure that we're not keeping people from being able to participate in an active way? Uh, That's, I think, our charge now. And then from there, then how can we ensure that everyone is participating and engaging in the way that we want them to? First, we have to lift up the walls that we once held and had in place and I really feel passionate about this virtual space and how we can leverage technology and innovation to achieve those things by having some type of access um, into the experience for people who can't physically be there. I don't want to force people to choose between their child's soccer game and coming to this experience because it's meaningful for their professional career. I want you to be able to do both. I don't want to restrict someone who may be, uh, who may have a disability from actually physically coming to my event. I want you to participate also in this is the platform to do it. And at the same time, I'm going to create an environment in person that is also open um, to diversifying the audience in new and creative ways. So I, I can talk forever about this. Your podcast will never end. So I'm <laughs> going to stop right there.
0: I never want that to end. I mean, it's, it's, it's like emotional to hear you talk about this because it's, it's mind-blowing how you're right. We were operating against all of that for so long, and I don't know. I mean, I, this is this is where I have to say, you know, it's it's not that it never dawned on me, you know, and that and that just speaks to me and my privilege of being an able-bodied person who was able to go to events. My company paid for them, you know, like that's awesome. But not everybody has that. But why not? You said it. these things are meaningful to your professional career, you know. I mean, they're meaningful for us to to attend, and and if we can't be there, then we can't get the education that we're seeking to do our jobs better. It just it's so many implications.
2: It was a light bulb moment, I think, last week for both of us, Derek. I don't know if you felt that way. It was a big light bulb moment for me as we were talking about membership organizations and access and exclusion, and you know, we had this exclusivity. Uh, like hanging, looming over us for so long. And that's what we wanted. And we created exclusive experiences. And I'll, I'll take it even further, like, let's create more access, not only free sneak peeks, but let's engage our sponsors and our vendors and people to create scholarships and create a, a certain amount of, you know, leeway for people that normally wouldn't have access to be included. Like, let's go above and beyond. Let's not just give people a sneak peek. Like, let's foster ways of getting people to the table. And that's what we're, we we have not done a great job of. And as meeting planners, like Derek and I have talked about this a few times, we have the ability, who else in the world has the ability to touch everyone in the world? Events do. Everyone attends an event in some way or another, whether you've been to one concert in your life or a school play, like you have been to an event everyone, pretty much everyone can say that in whatever form and capacity. And we as meeting planners have the platform, whatever platform you're in, whatever station of life you're in, wherever you are in your career, we have the ability to change the world. We have the ability to affect change. And that gives me goosebumps. And it probably scares the crap out of people to know that they have that much power, but it should be empowering to know that we have that ability. And we had talked about some light things early on, like, Yes, we have the ac- We have the ability, especially now in this virtual world, to tap into speakers, for example, and show diversity for the first time, and people that we never would have had as speakers before because they didn't have, we didn't have access to them, we didn't know about them, or they didn't have access to us, or they couldn't get to us physically. Whatever it was, we now have this whole world opened. And then I got really excited, and then got kicked off camera. Kicked off. <laughs> I, know, I had to type in the chat everything I was feeling about why are we not engaging our our as as meeting planners why are we not engaging our vendors and our the people that are extensions of our team at the basic level? You know why aren't we putting these clauses into RFPs? You need to have a diversity statement. Tell me about the diverse, your diverse hiring practices. Tell me how you show representation through disabilities, through uh, colors, through uh, gender, whatever it is. Like, show me that and demonstrate it and, and make it actionable. And let's start there. Why are we missing out on this? You know, and I think I could keep going. I started scribbling a bunch of notes because I'm so, it was a light bulb moment for me earlier this week. And I am now like, oh, the light is shining down. How do I get the message out to people? Because we, this should be a standard. Like, we're asking for measurables, we're asking for data, we're asking for standards. This should be the standard and it's not, and no one's talking about it and no one's thinking about it. So let's get it started. And I hope that, you know, I hope that people listen and get motivated and excited about it through listening to your your podcast here, because I am jazzed up about it now.
0: Well, when you guys were talking about it on your show and then now here, I and mean, that was the first time I had heard tangible tactics, <laughs> like, here you go, here's what we can do to start enacting change. It was like, oh, <laughs> hello. Yes, that is it. I mean, it, it is literally the first things. And you know, I'm not talking to, you know, I'm not an event planner. I never was. So I, I don't have these conversations daily with teams. I don't know if other people are having them out there. But when I worked for a third party or when I was working for a hotel, I mean, I've been on the receiving and sending end of RFPs for many, many, many years. That was never nothing. Nothing like that was ever a part of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the idea of sales right now, you're selling your products or services. However, what I'm pushing for anyone who wants to sell to me or my team, I don't want to just see your product or service anymore. I want to know what you're doing in the space of inclusivity. How are you diversifying your team? What are you doing to impact change on a broader level? and not just in the DEI space, we're in the middle of global warming. (laughs) And that's unfortunately been, has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat to the systemic inequality that we're facing every single day. Um, And that is a huge thing. I wanna know what you're doing while all of this other stuff is going on to help save the world. Um, there are, there's more things that we can talk about outside of the sleeping room and ballroom that your hotel has. I want to know more about your, um, your company's vision. Where do you sit in this space and how are you making communities stronger? And if you cannot articulate that to me or my team, I don't want to have a conversation with you. That's, my new way of operating. Anytime I bring someone in front of my team for a sales visit, I tell them flat out, my expectation is that you're going to leave us knowing something different, knowing something that's going to help us drive change in our work and help us open our eyes a little bit more to what actually is going on in other places in this world. If you can't deliver that, I will click the X button <laughs> and, and release you from this Zoom room. I have no problem with that. Because again, I think it's, it's we are now, we have to evolve as opposed, I've heard so many people say, I can't wait to go back. Anytime I hear the word go back, I just want to take something and throw it. Because time doesn't go in reverse. And if Mm. it did, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I would be back five, 10 years ago, um, trying to own Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That's that's where I would be. And, And so we can, time only goes forward. And the, the idea of going back just doesn't exist, people. So get over it. We're not going back to in-person events. We are getting, we're moving forward and we will eventually add in-person experiences back into the the event planning process. And what does that mean, adding it back into the process? It means keeping what we currently are executing in and adding to it, virtual and in-person, has to be the answer. Um, Mm -hmm. And so taking, again, everything that we've learned, it's so important not to leave that, that bag of information behind We have to drag it along with us and take those tools and resources and mindsets and experiences and hardships and triumphs and wins and all of the above and push them into the future and play with them all to ensure that we are creating meaningful experiences moving forward that impact people. Because at the very root of this, it's all about people coming together and creating something more meaningful that we, than we could individually.
0: And in a very ironic twist to the pain that we all went through with the pandemic and people losing jobs and this industry, you know, quote unquote, collapsing, in a way, this is the time is ripe now to make these changes that you're talking about, because we had to make... All these adjustments, and then all of a sudden, the world that we're finding in ourselves in makes all of these things possible. You know, I mean, just because we we are in this virtual world now, and and we are, it is a buyer's market. You know, I mean, the pendulum swings, right? You know, and, and we all left. You know, I left my job. You know, in twenty twenty. With hotels and, you know, venues owning it, right? I mean, they could command whatever they wanted, and it was really tough for those of us on the planning or third-party side. Now, it's different, and maybe there's a reason for that, you know? It had to swing, and it had to swing for many, many reasons, and you're describing them all right now.
1: I mean, I, I, Carrie, I don't know how you feel about this, but I am very much a believer that everything happens for a reason. I moved to Philadelphia from DC. I, I Had you asked me um, years ago if I would ever move from DC, I'd laugh at you and say, no, not at all. I left my home, my friends, my community, and moved to Philadelphia for a new job. I lost that job in March at the very beginning of this pandemic. And I fought my way to find something meaningful. And in that time, I really, pushed myself to develop new skills, to focus on my own professional development, to leverage the relationships that I had made before, um, to really hone in on something meaningful and to then take those skill sets and then apply them to now my new role, which ironically enough is digital events and technology and innovation and... Why, where, who would have thought that the one thing that I've been talking about for years being laughed at some time, sometimes in meetings? What are you talking about virtual reality and all this stuff? Like, we can't do that in events. Like, hello, we're here now. Um, and <laughs> now, now I'm doing it, and so all of these things wouldn't have happened if I wasn't supposed to be in this space. Carrie and I wouldn't have we met all those years ago, I think not just for this moment. Maybe I'm sure there's something coming that's even bigger than this. But we need it to be together right now to do to facilitate these conversations. And I am very confident that we have touched someone or we're going to that's going to have a huge impact in our world in some big way because again i think each and every opportunity that we can create and experience is an opportunity for us to change the world like carrie mentioned
2: yeah i i believe that innovation doesn't live in the past and derek you and i have always kind of been futurist if you think about it we've always been pushing change in a lot of different ways and it's not always been a a popular opinion um you know that the industry needed to shift and needed to change and but it's one that i've been you know pushing for years i've been saying guys this trade show model guys and gals this trade show model like it's antiquated like let's stop putting physical barriers you know 10 foot you know booths tables between us and people we're trying to engage with like how can we push engagement how can we push change? How can we push X, Y, and Z? And everyone was like, oh, but the old model's working. It's all good. Except it wasn't. And memberships were down and attendees were down and exhibitors were down and sponsorships were down. And, you know, I say it's an unpopular opinion, but I believe that change had to happen in one way or another. And this forced change has been good for us or it will be good for us in the future it's forcing us to look at our memberships it's forcing us to look at exclusivity and diversity and our engagement with our attendees and our audiences and our partners and our vendors and everything else it's forcing us uh, whether we like it or not, into innovation, into the future, into change, into something bigger and better. It's forcing us outside of ourselves. And I love looking at new systems and new models and new ways of doing business and efficiencies. I'm, I'm an efficiency queen. So I'm loving this moment Whereas I know a lot of people are hating it, I am loving this moment because it is forcing us into a better version of who we were before. I truly, truly believe that. And I cannot wait for the future.
0: Well, Gary, it's interesting because you have been in your meeting planning position since before the pandemic. And so I I was going to ask you how you thought, you know, these changes that you're talking about, these changes you want to see, I mean, you kind of touched on it, you know, to some extent, there has been pushback over the years. Well, this is how we've always done it, you know, which, you know, was like a, a difficult statement, <laughs> not a very productive statement. But now you're just bursting with new ideas and you have kind of proof, if you will, that they need to be implemented. So it it must be an exciting time for you in your current role.
2: It It really is. I mean, it's easier to affect change when everyone's in the same situation as you. Um, Before it was harder to um, push for virtual or um, certain types of engagement or X, Y and Z when everyone was like, no, no, everything's fine. It works fine. Let's stay in the office. Nobody can work from home. Nobody can whatever it was going on. It was harder. So it has been easier because the data exists and the the need for change existed, um, you know, at the very basic level. So. Um, but it just excites me for you know the the future and hybrid and what coming back live and virtual looks like together and how we tie those in and how we expand our reach even further um, than we could have ever thought before and how quickly that will happen. It's not going to take ten years. It's going to be it's going to be now and tech is going to be faster than ever. And vendors are going to have to step up to the plate not only with new technologies but as Derek and I were talking about as as change agents. True change agents. And we are empowered as meeting planners to make those choices to work with the right partners to get us to um the the better, I won't say new normal, I hate that, but to the next <laughs> evolution of strategic me- business meetings.
0: Mm, love it. Well, there's this conversation could go on and on. <laughs> you know, I mean, and we but a lot of guests joke like, oh, we need to do a part two. Like I would like to speak with you to some months down the road and to check in and see how all this is going. I, I want to know how how is it implementing these requests and RFPs? You know, what what are your responses from vendors? Like there's so much that we could continue to talk about. So I'm going to hope that that happens in the future. But for now, are there any parting words that you would like to give to the audience? I mean, beyond what you've already said, I mean, this has just been such an incredible conversation, but anything else you'd like to add before we sign off?
1: Uh, Carrie, do you want to start first or do you want me to go? Sure,
2: because you're, you're such an epic closer. I absolutely will. I can never follow you.
1: Yeah.
2: So we talked about empowering meeting planners and, and having the power to change the world. I think for some people, that's a little overwhelming. And I can absolutely um, understand that position. You know, as I started out as a meeting planner the first five years, you know, I had no idea that I would affect, I would work to elevate people and affect change. Um, so start small, uh, start bite-sized, um, start with the RFPs. I think it's a great place to start. You know, you don't have to have a podcast to affect change. You don't need to be part of a weekly show. You don't need to. uh, There are a lot of things you could do, but starting small um, truly will uh, affect change in the meetings industry. And it is within each of us. So I hope people walk away feeling empowered. Um, And I'll turn it over to Derek.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, so many thoughts um, roll through my head around the importance of, us as individuals stepping into our new responsibilities. And we have the responsibility to not just foster growth and development in our own communities, but to leverage what we can do in our professional world to impact others is at the core, I think the responsibility of every role, every job, it doesn't matter if you're a banquet staff member or um, a technician um, rigging lighting. Each of us has the ability to change someone's life through what we execute and how we execute it. Through meetings and events, we have the ability to change uh, communities through global social and economic development. And to step into that role is, it's required for us, um, because there are so many people who need us to do that. Inclusion, I always say inclusion starts with I. And to create a more inclusive environment, we have to look into ourselves. We have to find our own biases and, and see where our blind spots are because To bring inclusion into then the world of experience creation, we have to be more inclusive personally. We have to be able to look in the mirror and say, I don't know this, or I'm not doing a good job here. And then seek out the resources to do that. I was on a session the other day and someone just jokingly said, when you don't know something right now, what do you do? Well, you do one of two things, you ask someone or you go on Google, (laughs) it will give you the answer that you need, or at least an answer to lead you in the direction. And, And I mean, I jokingly say that, but to proactively seek out answers to your questions is now the most important thing that we can do to help evolve ourselves. And we owe each other the responsibility to continue this individual growth so that we can help ultimately grow communities and, and make them stronger. Um, and it's, it's no longer an option for us because we have too many now things stacked against us collectively the systemic inequality within our world. It may not impact you as an individual. It may not impact someone in, within your community, but it impacts someone that impacts your community. And it ultimately, we as humanity, at the intersection of humanity, need to uplift each other and, and hold that as our core and our North Star uh, so that we can ensure that our world is a stronger place in the future. Uh, so again, I go off on tangents and I can continue going, but this is supposed to be a closing moment. So <laughs> <That's laughs> I'm going to just, just end on that note that we have the power individually to see our world a better place. And it doesn't necessarily always have to start from the top. It has to start from um, each of us taking the action and the responsibility in seeing that through.
0: I wish you could keep going. That was beautiful. So thank you so much. Thank you both for just being on the show, for having this conversation, for having the conversation with each other and putting it on your show and all the other avenues that you are making change. So it's just yeah, I, I have to imagine you both sleep well at night knowing that you are doing, you, are, you are doing Sweet. so much, <laughs> so much to, to make a change. Um, and it's, it's incredibly inspiring. So thank you both very much.
1: Thank, thank, you, thank you for doing this um, and for the opportunity to speak. And Carrie, thank you for being such a rock star. I love you.
0: Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thank you again, Carrie and Derek, for being the change we all want to see in the world. I know you have already inspired many to get behind you, and maybe after this episode, there are more to come. I can't wait to chat with you both again in the future and to hopefully celebrate the progress that has been made in our industry thanks to all of your efforts. Well, that is a wrap on this week's episode, and I want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and of course, interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation.